Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is a bishop's installation. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, we're covering this because you recently had the opportunity to attend the installation of a dear friend of yours, Megan Rohr. So let's start with the obvious question of, have you ever been to a bishop's installation before? No, I actually was not able to attend Bishop Laurie's installation because I had a wedding commitment that had been on my calendar for over a year when she was installed here in Oregon. So I did not have the opportunity and the bishop up north where I was in Northwest Washington Synod, the installation happened right after I left there in order to move down here and serve at Central. So it was your first? It was my first opportunity to attend. So how do they differ then, a bishop versus a pastor? It's very interesting, actually, because they're not terribly different, and yet they are different. Okay. So the actual order of worship doesn't change all that much from a pastor's installation to a bishop's installation. And that actual order of worship, I'm going to guess, is roughly the same as any order of worship of any that you've attended? Yes. So gathering, word meal, sending, the big ordo remains. Okay. So within the gathering, word meal, sending, there is a moment where the actual installation or ordination happens. And the bishop's installation is this kind of interesting blend of the two. We don't believe that we ordain people as bishops, which the Episcopalians do. Okay. That that is a different kind of rostering, a different kind of moment. Oh, it's another level of something. Indeed. Okay. But in the Lutheran church, we consider a bishopric, the call to be bishop, to be a a letter of call, to be part of the same rostering, but a different kind of call. So, I mean, you can look at that and say that it means everything from the fact that we earn the same amount of money. Right. So bishops still are on the same guidelines that pastors are on. It's by years of experience. So if you are receiving guidelines at a congregation, you will likely receive the same amount of money if you are serving as a bishop. Really? Really. It doesn't change because it's a call. And that call can end in the same way that a call to a congregation may come to an end. This is a term call that you are called to by the people, elected to for a certain number of years. And they may reissue that term call if they choose, Mm -hmm. or they may not. And then you are no longer a bishop. Okay. So it's a termed call. I'm guessing if you do something really bad, you can still get kicked out. And is it an election again to be called again? Yes. Okay. No automatic renewal. No auto renew on this. Okay. <laughs> and some synods have term limits mm-hmm. and some synods do not have term limits. So Oregon Senate, we do not have a term limit. Okay. Our bishop can continue to serve until such time as the body no longer calls them through the election process. So 
the installation has a moment that is similar to an ordination, but not the same as an ordination. Okay. That's where it differs from a pastor's installation. Because a pastor's installation doesn't have what's called kind of in short term, the Holy Spirit moment. Okay. A moment of the laying on of hands. In the bishop's installation, there is a laying on of hands time and an invocation of the Holy Spirit to come and be present with the bishop. That is something that happens in the ordination rite for deacons and pastors, but not in the installation rite for deacons and pastors. But because this call is different and is taking on a different kind of call and a representation and representative of a larger body and a larger group of people, there is this moment of invoking the Holy Spirit and then the laying on of hands from, for bishops, other bishops come forward. Okay. During a deacon or a pastor's ordination, it's any rostered leaders come forward for the laying on of hands. During a deacon or pastor's installation, that laying on of hands doesn't happen because it already happened at the ordination. Okay. So that's the main difference between the installation services. The questions that are asked of the candidate, of the person coming forward, very similar. The responsibilities and the responses very similar. They all echo where it happens in the service, same place. The other difference is the symbols that are offered. So in the installation service for deacons and pastors, you are taken to the places or the locations of the things that you are responsible for. So for a pastor, for myself, for example, I would be taken to the font and be told that you are responsible for the font and for the baptisms of this congregation. And I would be taken to the table and you are responsible for the sacrament of communion in this congregation and be taken to the pulpit. You are responsible for the words spoken in this place. Mm -hmm. And symbols of each of those places can be given to the person being installed. For the bishop's installation, they were given a crozier. The crozier is the big staff. Okay. For overseeing and being responsible for the behaviors of those who are rostered and the responsibility of oversight. And they were given the pectoral cross, which is a symbol of carrying the wider community with them and the responsibility of bearing them alongside of them. And they were given the mitre, which is the hat, and that is symbol of the office. So in Megan's installation, they were given a mitre, which was given on behalf of the Latinx community within the Senate, and a reminder of the variety of congregations and the multiple ethnicities that are present within the Sierra Pacific Senate and their responsibility to meet all of the cultures of their Senate where they are at. And the Bible that was given to them was given by the staff of the Senate. Nice. So each piece has a different symbol and is part and parcel of kind of remembering what the role in the call really is. This is going to sound like a lame question, but do the bishops get like a special color? They do get to wear a different shirt color. Okay. They get to wear purple. Okay. Which other pastors don't 
typically shouldn't. Mm-mm. Not the dark purple. Lavender. Okay. We can wear lavender, but we are not supposed to wear dark purple collar shirts. Oh, that's fascinating. And you can wear dark purple other regular kinds of shirts. I look good in purple, so I wear purple. But the dark purple clergy shirts are reserved for bishops. And some shirt makers out there actually will require seeing your credentialing before they will sell you one. Really? Yep. Nice. It's a powerful symbol. Okay, so COVID notwithstanding, who usually attends a bishop's installation? Because I'm guessing a pastor's installation is going to be the congregation itself, but there are many more congregations involved for the bishop, correct? There are, and actually it's a much bigger deal. There is apparently a very large binder that is sent to a new bishop when they are elected with pages upon pages explaining how the installation needs to go. Really? Because there are various dignitaries and individuals who need to be invited and how our ecumenical partners are treated matters. Interesting. So is this something then that the synod itself dictates what the service is going to look like far more than it looks like any regular church service? The national church dictates it. Okay. Not just the synod. The national church dictates it. And from what I am aware of, the entire order of liturgy and the plans and all of that need to be approved by the national church. Oh, okay. Because at that point, this is a reflection of the entire national body. And so it needs to reflect our partnerships with our various ecumenical and interfaith partners. Mm -hmm. And so a normal pastor's installation You invite whomever you really want. As a congregation, you invite your congregation, you invite friends, you invite other clergy, whoever can show up can show up and it's great. But when it comes to a bishop's installation, you are required to invite the local bishop from our partnering denominations and their clergy and they are seated in a certain order and they enter in a certain order. And all of those different pieces all play into the processional and who gets to enter when and what order and where they're seated. All of those details are taken into account. It is a huge undertaking. Wow. That sounds like a lot more planning than I was initially thinking was going to have to happen. Yeah. Again, COVID notwithstanding. I mean, with COVID, there were then additional layers. Sure. Because they had to figure out how they were going to do this and keep everybody safe. Mm -hmm. And they did it. I haven't heard of anyone coming from this with COVID. My test came back negative today. So, yay. Yay. There may yet be word, but there were several hundred people gathered. Everyone was required to show their proof of vaccination before entry got armbands in order to enter into the cathedral. Anyone under the age of 12 had to show a negative test within 72 hours for entry. Wow. It was just another layer of keeping people safe and being a part of the protocols. Did the attendance change with the advent of COVID-related things like uh, live streaming and Zoom Was any of that part of this particular service? 
they live streamed the service and Grace Cathedral has a beautiful live stream. And I think that there are plenty of folks who would have loved to have been present, but because of COVID chose to live stream instead. Mm -hmm. And there were only a certain number of people allowed into the cathedral that day. And I think all of the seats were taken, but I think that there would have been more folks and more allowed had we not been in COVID. Okay. So getting back to the service, which sounds like it was pretty locked down in terms of what you could do and not do, but were there still parts that Megan got to choose? Absolutely. Like readings and songs? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And worked with an amazing team. Pastor Jeff Johnson, who is an incredible liturgist and just creates stunning worship services, worked as the chair of the committee to put together the service and worked alongside of, you know, Megan's hopes in order to bring it to life. And it was absolutely evocative of who Megan is and has been for these decades and also a great celebration of the Senate and the community. It was really cool. Were you at all jealous of any of the pieces that they chose in terms of how you might want to use some of them in any future installation of your own? For one, I I don't think that I will ever need to worry about this level of an installation for which <laughs> I am grateful and yeah. Well, we've talked about the bits and pieces that you got to choose just for your yeah, installation yeah, yeah. as a pastor. You know, what I was surprised by, I actually had not talked with Megan about the order of worship. Mm -hmm. We had talked about lots of other details. We had talked ahead of time about the events going on around the installation. Sure. And we had talked about other pieces, but we had not talked about the details of the service. So I, along with anyone else, was hearing the readings as they were happening. And I didn't know what they were ahead of time. And as I heard the readings, it wasn't that I was jealous. My heart was so full because they were so reflective of Megan. You know, we have done Bible study that doesn't suck together for decades, right? So for over 15 years, we've been doing that. And so I'm real familiar with what passages are the touchstone heart passages for Megan. Well, and as a quick reminder, you two went to seminary together, correct? Right. So when I heard the passages chosen, I knew the backstories for why that would be a passage chosen for Megan. And my heart was so full. And the passage that they chose for their gospel, as soon as I heard it, I almost started crying. I just laughed a little bit in my pew. It was Mark chapter three, one through six. It was the man with the withered hand. <laughs> there you go. So for folks who haven't been listening before, like a month and a half ago, we did a podcast on the man with the withered hand and Mark 3, 1 through 6, because that is one of my very favorite passages in scripture. And it was so beautiful to hear it in the context of celebrating Megan's call to serve the Synod. And it was neat. That's fabulous. It was a beautiful moment. What about the hymns that were sung? They're great. And the closing hymn I haven't heard in years and haven't sung it in ages. And I need to pull it out and see if we can bring it forward because I don't know why we haven't done it at Central. I feel like it's something that I learned at a youth gathering. Oh, funny. But it's a great hymn to kind of dance out to and so much fun. And the music was stunning. 
for folks who would like to go back and listen on the live stream, the music really was stunning. Partially, that was the first time that I've sung in a room with other people in a year and a half. In a long time. Well, and if you've never been into a cathedral, that space is wildly different sounding than many other places that you could either speak at or sing into. Totally. And where I was located, I was kind of at the edge of an echo. Mm -hmm. I was in the choir loft area and so far away from the people and far away from the actual instruments and the lead singers. So my latency was probably 0.5 of a second, but uh-huh. that's super long latency, <laughs> actually. Uh-huh. We had one service in person at Central before we returned back online. And we sang at that service, but everyone was so far away from me, I couldn't hear anybody. Sure. To be fair, the people who were sitting around me during the service weren't really singing very much as it was. But because we were in the cathedral, I could still hear the other people. I could still hear the live music being offered into the space. And that was powerful to be a part of again. Sure. I didn't take it for granted. That's for sure. Okay. We've been talking about the service, but you did mention the events that were happening before and after. Is it typical that an installation would include either, I don't know, some sort of reception before or after or other events around it? I think that that probably depends upon who the person is, how the Senate is planning those kinds of things. Megan has been doing fundraising and public ministry for a very, very long time. And I don't know that Megan could have that much of an exposure event in the sense of people paying attention and not try to do some fundraising. (laughs) Okay. Right? Because it's the time and the point and when you have people's attention that you can ask for funding for something that you need. And Megan has long been one of the many in our denomination who are underpaid and under-resourced because that is the reality of what happens to many of our marginalized leaders, Mm -hmm. that they end up in calls and in places where they have to be creative around how to fund things. And Megan is a consummate fundraiser. And They have a dream. They have some amazing dreams of being able to create programs such as a theologian in residence in order to adequately compensate some of our leaders who are marginalized, particularly leaders of color, in order to come in and do the anti-racism work that we in the ELCA need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so opportunities to fundraise to do that it makes sense to do them when people are paying attention. Absolutely. Opportunities to help the camp build gender neutral bathrooms. It was a great opportunity to be able to support the camp in doing that kind of a piece again, as people are paying attention. So the kind of events that Megan did were partially to try and either fund passionate ministries that will be underfunded or to help bring to light some of the incredible ministries that happen, such as Open Cathedral, which is a ministry that's been happening for years. And night ministry has been happening in San Francisco for decades and is one of the many places that Megan has honed their chops, so to speak, by being on the streets with the houseless population from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. overnight, by being on the corner of Mission, right where the BART station and the bus lines meet, 
in order to do preaching and hold a worship service and to feed the houseless population in the mission. So that kind of work, that kind of ministry, giving the opportunity for people to see it, to know that it exists, to lift it up, particularly the ministry and the mission is bilingual. It is in both Spanish and English. Mm -hmm. And so to lift that up and to make certain that people understand that that is as much a part of what we do as small town suburban congregations that are affluent and all have similar color looking skin. And so I think that for Megan, it was an obvious. I don't know because I've not participated in nor been a part of other installations, but okay. it was authentic to Megan. Excellent. All right. That's going to lead me to my last question. Do you have a favorite part from this particular installation or weekend? When we add in the weekend, I think that that's a bigger question. Okay. And not too much, just a bigger question. I think that there's conversation to be had about the installation and how it's done as we've had today. And there's conversation about what it was like to watch history unfold, <laughs> which is, I think, another kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. For the installation, the moment for me that caught me, that pulled my heart, was the moment of the invocation of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, I was far away. I was in the back. I couldn't actually see Megan. I couldn't actually see what was happening, but I knew what was happening and could tell what was happening in that moment. And Vance Blackfox, who is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and who works for the ELCA, did a blessing, did a cleansing and a saging for Megan before the bishops came and prayed. And that moment with the music, knowing what Vance was offering and that Vance and Megan have a relationship as well, that they've known one another and are friends. And I think in that moment, seeing other people see my friend as holy after all that they have been through. And in that moment, sitting there in the back where I thought no one could see me, <laughs> I learned otherwise, but I thought no one could see me. Just all the stories and all the things that I have witnessed my friend experience and have listened to their story and have been honored to hold their story alongside of them and to know what it took to make that moment possible, to know the cost of that moment in a lot of ways, to know the cost in death threats, to know the cost in cruelty, to know the cost in trauma, to know the cost in heartache and to have been able to witness joys and the incredible transformations that Megan is able to bring into the world. All of those pieces to kind of know the whole of it. And in that moment, their protection was in someone else's hands and I could just feel the feelings and I flat out wept. And the person sitting next to me got a little worried about me because they didn't know me. Like across the way was someone who knew me, who caught me starting to cry and like winked at me. Like, I see you, I get you. I mm -hmm. know what's going on with you because they did, right? But the person next to me had no idea and didn't know who I was or why I was sitting where I was sitting because I hadn't processed in with anybody. I was just there when they got there. 
so I explained just a little bit of who I was and why I was there. And she cried with me and it was beautiful and it was kind and it was holy and it was good. That's the moment I'll hold on to. That is lovely. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about a bishop's installation. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening along. Please feel free to look up the installation on Grace Cathedral's website and to watch and to enjoy that. Feel free to support the ministries that the Sierra Pacific Senate is dreaming of financially if you are able to, and definitely with your prayers. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.